In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A week and a half ago, I was in Assisi, in Italy, and approaching the Basilica of St. Francis, where St. Francis is buried, a church which uh, did not exist during his lifetime, um, but was constructed um, for his burial, and as the one of the original um, monasteries for that early Franciscan community. Well, like St. Peter's Basilica, it's guarded by the Italian army um, because it's a, you know, it's a ripe target for terrorists. The security isn't um, too onerous. It's not like an airport exactly, but still it's, um, it's unwelcome. It's not like it was 20 years ago when it was just easy and um, carefree to walk into these glorious Basilicas. Nevertheless, you walk up to the guard, and there's two um, younger people in uh, Italian camouflage, and they have their machine guns and their berets. There's an armored vehicle not too far away. You just open up your bag, and they may wave you with the, the, the wand, you know, the metal-detecting wand, and usually that's it, and you just pass right through. Fortunately, when I was there, there was, there was no line. And uh, the people I was with had already gone ahead of me, but it turns out they were waiting for me. Well, as I opened my bag, the young man, probably 20 or so, um, said thank you and and looked at his colleague, a young lady about the same age, and basically nodded to her as though, all right, well, this is your opportunity. And she, so she looks at me and she says, so is there really good in the world so now formulate the picture right there's a big fence you know like a riot barricade there's an armored vehicle she's in full gear and a machine gun just like you know just propped right on the front of her uniform and she's asking me is there good in the world and I I said yes of course there's good in the world is there really a god Absolutely, there's a God. And so I gave her the, you know, the five-minute version of my explanation of wherever you see order, you know that someone put it in order as is keeping it in order. And obviously, that when you see that in the, the stars and the moons or the seasons or, the, or subatomic particles, of course there's a God. I mean, that's, that's easy. But at the same time, that's philosophy. That doesn't mean that you know the God who... Um, who loves you. You can know that the God who created the world exists from reason, but all of this is going on, and it is quite surreal, because there's St. Francis Basilica, and there. And then I realize, oh, my friends didn't go in. They're waiting for me outside, and she really is asking me these questions. She inquired about my collar. You know, you when you see me outside of Sunday or when I'm not wearing a cassock, it's a white collar that goes all the way around. That's what we wear underneath the cassock, typically. And she inquired, is, are, you, are you English? By which she probably meant Anglican. Are you married? Uh, and I had to reassure her, no, I'm really a Roman Catholic priest. And I wear this just because it's more comfortable. And that prompted her to say that she doesn't believe in priests that aren't married. She believes in priests that are married. Um, It didn't take the turn that it sometimes does on a practical level. They understand things better or they're 
more normal or whatever else. Rather, when I explained not only the voluntariness of celibacy, no one's forced into this way of life, but also that there is something that makes it possible only when a gift is given by God, when a special grace is received by God. That makes it possible. This isn't something that everyone is expected to do. And she nodded approvingly. We're into, you know, minute 11 of the conversation by now. And then she immediately she turned and she said, I admire you all so much because I would never be able to do that. And so at one and the same time, she said she doesn't believe in celibate priests, but she admires it so much. Now, three days earlier, four days, yeah, two days earlier, rather, the Holy Father had just published a short little exhortation, just 71 paragraphs, on the called holiness. And, and for those of us who, who read St. Francis de Sales or who read St. Jose Maria Escriva or who are just familiar with the Liturgy of the Hours, the Sacramental Life of the Church, doesn't seem very timely. But in this particular instance, it seemed urgent. Because what I detected was the sense that if she can't be celibate, if she can't be a sister, if she thinks that she needs to get married and have a kid, then she's not really good enough. Because why would she admire something so much and say that she doesn't want it to prevail in the church? Now, it's interesting to be 20 years out of uh, the shoot and to go back to Italy, to go back to Rome, where, like no other place in the world, you see lots of priests on the sidewalk, walking around at coffee shops and restaurants, wherever. And it's interesting to look back at young men who may have looked like me 20 years ago or 24 years ago, because they might, they might even look like a priest, but they may just be a seminarian. And it really is, it is, it is fascinating, because there are so many types and so many faces. In our life today, it's, it's out of the ordinary to bump into a priest at the store. Typically, it's just a priest or a few priests here at church. And it's familiar and it's um, in a controlled environment. But walking around Rome is fascinating because there's, there's so many priests, not the majority of them, who walk around like they are the most important thing on the planet. And they may very well be dressed elegantly in a brand new cassock and shoes with buckles, or they could be wearing a suit. It's not... And it's not that they're young or they're old. It has nothing to do with young or old. It has nothing to do with being uh, liturgically low or liturgically high. But when the impression we get is, oh, those are the really important people, those are the most important people, then we, we also begin to associate with that the notion that that's what everyone's supposed to be like. And if we think that I'd, I'd never be like that, or if we think I'd never want to be like that, 
It can corrode our relationship with the church and corrode our relationship with Christ. So not only do we need the Holy Father to remind us that we are all called holiness, and whether God draws us to live deeply the life of baptism as a, as a sister or a brother, or whether God leads us to make a holy choice in marriage, or whether God chooses a young man to be a priest, this is a way to holiness and a way to heaven. It's a, it, this is a call to love generously, to give up your life. Everyone is called to give up their, their lives. But it's also especially important that these readings that we always used to hear on the third Sunday of Easter, now we hear them on the fourth Sunday of Easter, remind us that Christ is the good shepherd. And we are all members of his flock. Now, he does promise that he will send us shepherds. He promised that through the prophets. And he accomplishes that through the apostles. And he, he wants to give us shepherds after his own heart. And so when we, when we pray for our young men, when we pray for vocations, it's... It's very tempting to, to promote vocations in a way that's, that's doomed to backfire. So many people would ask my mom, how, do you, how did you do it? How did you, how did you make two of your four sons become priests? Well, obviously she said, I didn't. And if you, the only thing you can do is do nothing. Get out of their way. Don't talk about it but encourage them to pray, encourage them to be good, insist that they're virtuous, make sure that they receive the sacraments, help them to know Christ and to love Christ. It's easy when I had an older brother in the seminary to be the object of uh, recruitment, you could say, from his seminary friends or from priests who knew him. And for just as many really inspiring, uh, humble, and intelligent men who were encouraging, there were just as many who were overbearing, who, who, who became obstacles that had to be overcome in order to desire um, to follow the call that God had put on my heart. We don't... We don't tend to make the priesthood more attractive when we try to make it look exciting. The military doesn't do well recruiting when they talk about their benefits packages. I remember when the Archdiocese of Atlanta in the 90s famously put up a, a huge billboard on the highway, and it was just, Our Lord on the Cross. And the simple words, the priesthood, it's always been difficult. And it was hugely successful. Which was a shock to people who thought that all of this is obsolete, that celibacy needs to go and we need to make this easier. When we make it easier, we make it less attractive. When you see a young man and you think there may have 
you know, the words Melchizedek may be secretly written on his forehead. Encourage him. Don't tell him, I think you're going to be really important one day. Tell him, have you ever thought about being a priest? I think you might make a good priest. And by the same token, when you see a young couple and they're engaged or they're, or they're married, encourage them too because it's the same life of, of giving up your whole life out of love and generosity, persevering with hope, sustained by the grace of God. We are all in the same boat. Fortunately, this year we have a few men being ordained for the Diocese of Arlington. We need triple their number. And it'd be wonderful when we have not just one one board of young women entering religious life and young men in the seminary, but when the whole lobby is full of pictures of our young people, when we're sending one or two people a year into religious formation or diocesan seminary. We need them. Every priest needs other priests. We all need religious praying for us and serving us and serving God. God is amazing. You experience it in marriage, and priests experience it in their sacramental vocation. God works through us. God has chosen to involve us in his work, to be his co-workers in the vineyard. None of us are worthy of it. What a grace it is to be here, to love him, to serve him, and to worship him, and to look forward to being with him in heaven. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.